Welcome to the Floor Plan Home Podcast, a podcast that exists to start a conversation about life at home, both aesthetically and relationally. You are listening to Episode 9, and on today's show, we have a chat with Casey from Homes and Haven, which is an amazing organization that helps women in recovery transition back into regular life through the power of home makeover. Will you join us at Flora Pine Home? All right. Well, Casey, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Um, we are so excited for this conversation and chatting with you today. Um, and you are with Homes and Haven, and you're mm-hmm. based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, welcome cool. to the virtual Fargo, North yeah. Dakota. We are virtually in Fargo with us. Yay! <laughs> no, we're so excited to chat with you today. Um, I actually got to chat with Casey this past week and kind of had like a little intro and I told Ryan as soon as I got off the phone, I'm like, this is going to be such a good episode. So Aww. I'm super pumped to have you on here today. Yes. Yeah, we're both excited. So. Yeah, this is so much fun. Mm-hmm. I'm honored. Yeah, we're so happy. So let's just kind of dive right in and have you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I guess, first off, I love Jesus, um, and that's probably the most important thing about me. (laughs) Um, I am married to my sweetheart, Brian, and we've been married for about seven years, and we have a little boy named Charlie, who is two, and he is full of life and keeps us young. (laughs) Love it. Um, And I am the founder and president of Homes and Havens. So that's kind of who I am right now. (laughs) Love it. So good. And so to those of you or to those of our listeners that haven't heard of Homes and Haven, essentially what is what is your business and what do you do? Yeah, so we are um, a nonprofit organization um, and Homes and Havens exists to create healing spaces for women in recovery. And what that looks like on a practical level is we furnish and decorate and homes for women who are either coming out of a traumatic situation or life crisis or an addiction. Hmm. Um, And so creating that environment for them as they're graduating a program that is locally, usually residential. um, Once they graduate from that program, their organization refers that girl to us. And then we meet with her, walk through her space and then figure out how to create a home for her um, with furnishings and design. So Cool. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Did you, when you first, like, like, what did the first dream of this look like? I mean, I can only imagine, like, did you have a passion for decorating and interior design before you started this, or was that something that kind of evolved? I have always been one of those people. As <laughs> That's like... Um, constantly rearranging my house, my furniture. (laughs) I would rather spend money on like a new couch or new lamps or a new rug, you know, (laughs) besides like going out to eat or going on vacation. (laughs) I love it. uh, Which I'm sure it can be really irritating to live with me when I'm that (laughs) way because, um, but I've always loved design and my my mom was just so talented in that area as well growing up. She really made our home a place of creativity, and we moved a lot for my dad's job. And um, 
every home was just a new canvas. Mm. And so I just remember going with her to pick out tiles and hardwood and, you know, just watching her weave together a beautiful space and encourage us kind of to do the same. I mean, we have free range over our bedrooms and I can just remember my sisters and I staying up late at night, like rearranging our whole, (laughs) the whole house. I love it. Uh, Yeah. The passion runs deep. Yeah. So I love it. That's so cool. Okay, so you've had this passion for decorating and for design. You've grown up with it. So how did that, you know, kind of morph into what you're doing now, working with women in recovery? I mean, that's like a pretty specific mm-hmm. niche. How did you get to that point where you're at now? So, yeah, that's kind of a, a crazy story. Um, my family has been touched with... Um, as I'm sure most families are touched in some way by addiction or um, abuse or anything like that. And um, it really, Homes and Havens really started out as a business. Um, multiple people had encouraged me to do this professionally, to decorate for people professionally and go into spaces and help women or families kind of figure out how to make their spaces work, how to reflect who they were as a family. And so initially, that was what I did. That was how it started was creating that business. And then as I started to get clients, um, because of my sensitivity to people who are in recovery and, um, just broken families, like broken families that are trying to mend, um, I had volunteered at some local organizations that served women in those kind of demographics and realized that, when they transition out of their programs and go back home, most of the time they're going right back into the environment that they kind of escaped from or that um, it could be a a trigger for them to go back to that environment Mm -hmm. um, or they're starting over fresh and they've lost literally everything. Right. And so my passion for home decor and design kind of intersected with my, my love for women who are hurting mm-hmm. and who've been touched by some kind of trauma or crisis. And um, I really saw a gap in that recovery mm-hmm. um, program because a lot of the ministries we work with, their resources are really tapped out by the time it comes, you know, time to let the girl go back into society to re-enter right. her home. And so yeah. um, I wanted to offer a solution to that. I mean, I think all of us see the brokenness in our world and our communities and in our churches and in our families, and it can be really overwhelming. And I have felt that a lot. I mean, I've, I've like debated, do I need to become a counselor? Do I need Mm -hmm. to become a therapist? Like I, I wanted to know that the work that I was doing mattered to that it, that it was resulting in mending brokenness. Mm -hmm. Like that was so huge for me. And so when I saw that gap, I was like, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I can do that. I can fill that spot in our community. And um, so it was kind of like, all right, well, then let's just do this. Mm-hmm. So part of the business model originally was I was going to continue accepting paying clients, um, continue painting furniture for people, and then use all of that money to furnish and decorate one woman's home wow. a month. Wow. Um, so cool. that was kind of the goal. Um, and then it just kind of – it. What's been amazing about the process is once we, I started getting language around what I was doing 
and posting pictures and stories about, like, this is what this woman has survived in her own words. She's telling her story, and then these are before and after pictures of her space, and then watching that transformation, how it fuels her recovery and fuels her healing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had agencies start reaching out to me in Chattanooga saying, we need this. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how do we get on your list? How can we send clients to you? Cool. And so it... I mean, honestly, in a matter of six to nine months, my husband and I were kind of spinning out of like, we can't keep up with this. Like, this is an enormous project um, that I was actually fine with it staying small. I had kind of hoped that it would stay small because it felt easier to manage and it felt like it was just me and Jesus kind of in my carport painting furniture (laughs) and no one knew what I was doing. It wasn't organized. I didn't have like, measurements and statistics, you know, all that kind of stuff, really kind of thwarting that passion. But um, as I continued to surrender that desire to the Lord and say, you know, small feels safe to me, but like, I'm going to follow where you lead me. Mm. And if that is in more broken homes than I can imagine, then let it be Mm. like, you've got to pave the way. And so we, started, I met with a couple of people of just figuring out, are we a business? Are we a nonprofit? What, what, how do I even file for this thing? I've got to figure out legally what this is. And, um, and people were wanting to give me money as well. And so I was having people write checks to me as personally, I was just like, I feel so sketched, like (laughs) accepting this. And and they trusted me, you know, they were like, we just want it. We know that it's going to do good in Uh your hands, but it was just so overwhelming, I guess. I can imagine the amount of opportunity, mm-hmm. I think that that kind of unfolded in front of me. And so, um, and then when it came down to, um, serving paying clients who I love, I love that the creative energy, I love helping women figure out how to make their homes a productive and beautiful place for their families. Um, but when it came time to choose, you know, do you want to grow this business or do you want to grow a nonprofit? Mm-hmm it really came down to a choice of, I definitely want the nonprofit. I definitely want to serve these women that would that don't even know what it's like to have a home mm-hmm. and have opportunities to create a space with color or textures or mm-hmm. arrangements. They've just, that's a world that they've never even known. Mm-hmm. And so um, because I know what it's like to suffer from trauma and I know what it's like to recover from something. I think we all do. All of us have like Mm -hmm. painful chapters in our stories and brokenness that's either handed down from our parents or um, we encounter just as adults. And um, I feel like the idea of creating that space for them to heal Mm -hmm. really ignited something in me that was a journey that I took with Jesus of like, God, you are the healer, Mm -hmm. but can stuff like home goods and Hmm. furniture and paint make a difference? Yeah. And that was kind of the question I laid before him and then just watched him answer. Cool. One thing that I've just been, as you've been talking, one thing that I've just been thinking about is like, I love how God used like such a practical not I wouldn't call it hobby but like passion of yours to be mm. such a fruitful ministry. Like I think sometimes we think that when God calls us to do something it looks like something very churchy or very like, you know, black I don't know, you know what I'm trying to say and so yeah. I just love when God uses passions that are so unique and so like 
this is a hobby you've had your whole life and now it's like become a ministry. Like, I just think that shows like the vastness of God and how he's so creative, you know, like who would have ever thought that. I so agree. So beautiful. I love it. I love, yeah. And at first it was really kind of a point of insecurity in the journey because I was like, does this really matter? Like, I mean, this is so, it is so tangible. It is so simple. Uh Um, You know, like what difference does a lamp and then some kind of, potted plant on a beautiful (laughs) end table, you know, next to a woman's bed. Like, what does that mean? And um, one of my dear friends who is a mentor and a woman that has encouraged and challenged me in so many areas of life, um, really, it was over lunch one day and she really could sense that I was wrestling with the value of this. Uh And she just said, Casey, think about the temple. Think about the temple that God created. Like, Mm. that is where... He chose to dwell and he chose textures and colors and arrangements and he laid it out by detail Mm. of how he wanted this space to be. And it was a holy place. Mm. And that it sounds like what you're wanting to create in these women's homes is a holy place where they can encounter the face of God, where they can encounter the Lord or they can encounter peace for the first time. Mm -hmm. And that is what will transform the rest of their life. And I feel like all of us know that home is where it happens. Home is where we are who we really are Yeah. and where the walls come down and where we have those hard conversations with each other mm-hmm. and where we learn to mend and where we have those breakthroughs and where we connect with not only with the Lord, but with each other. And so what better place Mm -hmm. to invest these resources and believe that God could use simple things like candles and lamps and rugs, you know, to to minister to someone who's broken. Wow, that's so cool. I love that. I love that analogy. I love that picture. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Very cool. It's so cool. Um, I guess I I have a question. I don't think it's on our list of questions here, but, and maybe you and Ashley talked about this at one point, but, um, what does it look like when you go, what does it look like when you go into someone's house and you start to, um, kind of make it over and things like that? Is it a mixture of you're using their things and new things and refurbished things or what does that look like? What does the process look like for that? Yeah, that's a great question. So we once that once the organization that we're partnering with calls me and says, hey, I've got a girl that really could use this. Um, we meet with that client in her home, in her current space. And that could look multiple ways. One, she's either going back to her house that she came from. And so usually it's very reflective of the lifestyle that they've lived. It's dark, it's disordered, it's cluttered. I mean, our environments really do reflect what's going on inside of our hearts. And so Hmm. it is really hard to, I think more for them than me, obviously, to go back to that space and walk through and kind of see, wow, like this is where I live. This is a reflection of who I am right now. And Um, or the woman who has, she's either escaped from either another state or a bad environment and is starting over fresh. And so we're entering into literally a barren apartment. Um, that is, there is absolutely nothing. And some of these women are so grateful just to have their own space. I mean, they're sleeping on the floor. They're, they're doing life like with just a pile of sheets, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, both the barrenness and just the destruction of the spaces is like challenging in different ways. Um, 
So for me, it is trying to develop a, an immediate relationship with this woman to make her feel as comfortable as she possibly can, because it's very intimidating to have a stranger mm-hmm. come in your space, whether that's if you just got the key yesterday or whether, you know, a lot of life has happened behind that door. Mm-hmm. And I just want to reassure her. It's like, this is an honor. Like, mm-hmm. thank you for inviting us into this space with you. Um, tell me about what you would hope that this space could be for you. And I'm asking like, not style questions as much as what do you want to feel when you walk home? When hmm. you come, when you open this door, what do you want to feel? Yeah. And, and most of the responses are either, I just want to feel peaceful or mm-hmm. I want to feel like this is kind of an oasis, like a sanctuary for me to hide or, or recover. And yeah, or they want it to be just a place that their kids could be proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had multiple most of the women we work with are single moms and having a mom like break down and tell you that her kid wants to sleep at school Hmm. and doesn't want to come home because they hate their home. And because they're embarrassed that they can't invite their friends over, they don't want them to see where they live Hmm. and see her weep over that brokenness. It just fuels you to, because you see the potential, you see the possibility where they can't. And I think that's where eyes of faith come in. They're just learning and navigating that part of their recovery of like seeing something that's broken and actually saying, I think I could fix that or make it different. Mm -hmm. We're actually offering that for them. We're saying, Hey, we believe in this space. Like we can see what the potential can Mm -hmm. be here. And, and so after we meet with her and kind of assess like, what are her needs? I do walk through practically and say, what, what would, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And most of them are, you know, saying, I need a dresser so I can just get my clothes off the floor or sure. um, I'd love a bed or I'd love mattresses for my kids or, you know, all of it really practical, tangi- tangible things. Mm-hmm. And those kind of things I do say, yeah, I can get that for you or and I'm making a list or my assistant's making a list and we're saying, OK, we can do this. We can do that. But then we're also going beyond that and saying, what do you want to feel? What do you want home to feel like for you? And then that together is weaving the design plan in my head is like mm-hmm. based on what their needs are, what they have existing. And then what is it like? There's some things that are sentimental to them as well. And it's really being careful to pick up on what those things are. Yeah. Um, it could be a mirror that their dad gave them or um, a chair that they've had in every house that they've traveled through. And it's, um, being sensitive to pick up on those little details and saying, okay, we're going to make life, we're going to make the design revolve around this special thing for you. Mm, Um, and then from that point, we go back to the drawing board into my office and then we just start gathering stuff. Um, so we have a budget for every project and then we shop on Facebook, Craigslist, um, the thrift stores, and then there's certain things that we buy new for each client, like sheets and bedding and and different things like that. So um, usually our turnaround process is about three weeks from consultation to home install. So I love it. So, well, that's amazing. I mean, just the, the care that you take, um, sorry, just the care that you take to spend so much time beforehand um, getting to know them, get to, getting to learn what they need. I think that's such a cool thing. And I bet that just speaks more volumes to, to the women that you work with than just the space even. So, so mm-hmm. I think that that's really awesome. 
So one one question I wanted to quick highlight was when we had talked in our initial consultation, when your family was going through their um, addiction and their struggle, you and your husband made it a point to make your home a safe place. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying, like, I was no matter what was going on in my family, no matter what was going on, I was going to create a safe place for me and my husband and for the people that entered the doors. And so... What did that look like for you? Because um, we talk a lot about at Floor Pine Home, like it's the house is so much more than how it looks. It's how it feels. Mm-hmm. And you've mentioned right. that today too. And so just on like a, for those that may be listening that are maybe someone in their life is struggling with something or it's family or life is just messy and they're mm-hmm. looking to create a safe place. How can a person practically do that um, so that when they come home, it's like, oh, I can breathe, this is good, mm. you know, what is, like, practical wisdom that you have for that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for me, that process looked like um, really evaluating what our needs were in this season as a family, mm. and that changes, and that's okay. Um In the season that my husband and I went through that was just full of pain and stress and trauma and just um, weariness, honestly, a lot of defeat and just questioning, are we going to make it out of this life? That was a season where I started to evaluate what does home need to look like for us right now? Mm -hmm. And I think asking yourself that question, what season are we in? Um, Are we tired? Are we weary? Are we excited? Are we... um, pioneering like all of these kind of things and saying what what did, how, what does our space need to look like to feed um that that need um and so like like you mentioned my husband and I we kind of came to this season was like we are shattered like we're so broken right now um we need a healing place we need a place to mend and recover and and just pick up the pieces and so that became the mission statement Hmm. for the home in this season. And so I actually did sit down before I ever began looking at Pinterest or, you know, figuring out like, um, you know, I knew our space really wasn't fostering um, a healing presence in our, in our life at that moment. But before I ever went to the drawing board, as far as design goes, I went to the heart and said, what is the mission of this home? Mm-hmm. What is, what, if I could write a mission statement, what do I want that to say? Yeah. And so writing those things out and there were probably, you know, seven or eight things that came to mind that I really wanted our home to exemplify. And so after I got that nailed down, it was really coming up with a vision that aligned with that mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I wanted the place to feel like, a healing place or a restful place, there are color palettes that promote those things. There are right. textures that are softer and um, room arrangements that make the space feel bigger, that there's room to be who you are. There's mm. room to just spread out or there's room to rest or mm. cuddle up or, you know, whatever that may be. And so that's really where it started for me was writing out that mission statement Um, and in a way that's what we still do for homes and havens while that woman is not the one that's really writing out and mentally processing through what do I want my home to be? She's telling me what she wants it to be, 
but we're taking that mission statement in our own hands and, and really making that happen in her home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is to create a healing space. And so I think practically it would just look like asking what is the mission and then finding design that you feel like really echoes that mission. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I love that. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned like even just practical things like the textures that you put in your house or the colors can affect so much of like how we feel in a space. Mm -hmm. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I think we get so caught up in the latest trend or the latest fad of decorating. And then when we put it in our house, it's like, this doesn't feel like how I want this to feel. You know, it looks cool, but Mm. it doesn't feel like a place I want to relax or a place that I can just rest. And so I think it's cool to mention, yeah, like just the textures and what do you need? What do, what Mm. does your family need to like want to be at home and to feel like it's a safe place? That's really Mm. cool. I love it. So, um, how has homes and havens transformed your own personal definition of home? So you obviously had a passion for creating a safe place before you started it, but now that you've been doing it and you continue to do it, how has it evolved how you, Um, perceive home and like your personal definition of home I think home for me now is a place that reminds me who I am and who God is and um what we value Mm. um and so I love coming home because it reminds I don't I don't have to convince home of what I believe or um you know, who I want to become, I feel like home now reminds me of, of those things Mm. that I've already worked hard to establish, um, worked hard to write down and really build upon, build my life upon those things. Um, and so it's just that safe, comfortable, beautiful reminder of that. Mm -hmm. I love that. That That's so beautiful. That's that's really cool. So cool way to look at it for sure. Yeah. Reminds you who you already are. Yep. That's awesome. Um, this is like maybe a little bit like off topic of like home design and home decorating, but like, um, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I sometimes feel as though there's like a stigma when it comes to recovery and addiction and, Mm. you know, on the outside it's like, well, just get help or, you know, Mm. just get over it or, you know, it's hard to put yourself in that, in the other person's shoes And so in your experience of working with women and of seeing them recover and seeing their like victory, like what, what myths do you think there are in regards to like those that maybe have gone through recovery or what have you, what has amazed you about these women? Or I guess I don't know how to ask Mm. it, but I mean, just to kind of, to kind of shed a light on the beauty of what it really means to recover. And mm-hmm. um, I guess in your experience, what have you learned through that? The, that's a great question. I, I feel like um, there are so many things that I could say about the sure. stigma issue. Um, I have many personal soapboxes. About <laughs> I love it. Um, but I'll try to spare the world. Um, <laughs> let's see. I think the lack of empathy hmm. for that um, for that people group, and really, I don't even view people in recovery as a separate category of individuals because I have honestly never talked to someone over the age of twenty 
that has not suffered Hmm. in some way from either a life-controlling problem or something that happened that was beyond their control Mm -hmm. that wounded them. Right. And I feel like we're all in recovery. I honestly feel Hmm. like until we get to heaven, this is a recovery journey of figuring out how do we pick up the pieces and not use those pieces to continue to slaughter mankind, but to help heal it. Yeah. And that really is a personal mission of mine. Like Mm -hmm. we've got to stop with the, the lack of empathy, the lack of kindness. I mean, and if you don't understand, I mean, my favorite conversations involve women who have grown up in the church that are very traditional, conservative, you know, their life has been relatively unscathed by pain or addiction. And they come to me and ask specific questions about what is it like? Like, tell, I want to understand, tell me like how, what they felt like, or when someone is addicted, like what, what, how are they viewing the world or how are they viewing the church or, and it's not from a place of pride, but it's really like, I literally have no clue. Can you help me understand? And I feel like if we approached people in recovery that way, um, it would begin to lay the bridges for future connection and really, um, really surround them with courage Mm -hmm. and a community that believes in them and and is learning to understand because I mean, I personally have never had a substance. I've never abused a substance in the sense of uh, alcohol or drugs or anything. I've never been an addict in the traditional sense of the word. I have multiple problems that I could go into in depth. (laughs) Um, And I feel like we all know what it's like to be facing something that we can't control anymore. Or it feels like we continue to try to control, but then we fall back and we fail. Anybody that has tried to lose weight will understand. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like if we would tap into those things that actually do connect us Mm -hmm. instead of, like separate us or that we don't understand, I feel like people in recovery would have a lot more success than um, if we made them feel like aliens. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I love that. And I I just go back to what you said just a little bit ago. We're all in recovery. You know, Mm -hmm. like it may not be substance abuse necessarily or it may not be that, but we all have our things. You know, we all wrestle with things on a day-to-day basis and yeah, I love that. I love that you're doing a ministry that bridges that gap. I think that that's really important. I think that's really beautiful. Um, so, the last, we have, well, two last questions, I guess. The second to last question. So, if there are listeners here who have been really inspired by what you're doing and want to get involved maybe with people in recovery or um, women that are in, you know, unique situations where they're in like a treatment program or whomever, what Mm -hmm. is like the most practical way for um, people to get involved in their city? I know we're not necessarily in Chattanooga, but just like in general, what do you feel like is a great way or a great place to start? Um, That's a good question. I feel like it, I think for me, um, it started in the church. It started with, evaluating what breaks my heart Mm -hmm. that so much so that I cannot stop thinking about it. Um, 
And I feel like that's where you're going to find that specific passion that God has laid out for you, whether that's, I mean, people who, whether that's young moms who are struggling or whether that's addicts or whether that's women who are involved in sex trafficking or or whatever it is that you hear about it and it breaks your heart so deeply that you can't get over it. That's where I would start pursuing um, ministry in that specific area. Hmm. Um, I think getting involved in your own city and your own churches is where it's at. And I think hmm. for, especially for millennials, if I could be specific because I, I am one and I see a lot of them is to really, if there's any words of wisdom is to really enter into that work with a sense of humility. Mm -hmm. Um, we are not experts yet and we have so much to learn. And I feel like observing will teach you more on how to actually help and where you can make the greatest headway. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like if we go into, it's one thing I feel like I, maybe it's a universal trait, but we see injustice or we see brokenness and there's this uh, like a passion, a rage, uh, you know, whatever that's welling up inside of us. And we just want to blaze our trail and make a difference. But sometimes we do more harm than good because people, God already had people in those trenches. Hmm. God already had people working in those women's lives or in those stories. And I feel like we should like throttle that a little bit and be really good servants Mm -hmm. of these people first and the organizations or, and the workers that are already there and say, what is it you need that would help, but keep your eyes open because that passion is given to you by God. It's not Mm -hmm. wrong, but it's just, we have to use that in wisdom. Mm -hmm. We have to make sure that the place that we're, you know, expending all of this energy is really where he wants us to do it. And it's not to bring glory to ourselves. It's to bring glory to him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he was already there. Okay. He wasn't, you know, we're not like the, the, the gospel bears on the scene. It's like, we are the light you have been waiting for. We are not. We, he was already there. And it's just really trying to be sensitive to that, that environment and say, where is he working and where can I join him? Mm-hmm. Right. That's beautiful. I love that answer. That's so good. Um, so how can our listeners follow along with you? Um, uh, we'll also link these in the show notes so that people can just click and find you. But in short, where is the best way to follow along with what you guys are doing? We are on Facebook and Instagram. Um, the organization is, the handle is at, you know, Homes and Havens. Perfect. And then our website is homesandhavens.com, and that's where we post before and after pictures, reveal videos, um, their stories. We give each opportunity, each woman an opportunity to write out kind of her testimony, Mm. and then we share that in a blog with before and after pictures and and anything like that and, and kind of talk about the organization that she was referred to us from. Cool. I love that. Beautiful. Well, we'll link all of that for sure because, and you've also sent us a couple of your favorite before and after transformation. So Mm -hmm. we'll link those as Mm -hmm. well because they're amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Cool. So typically at the end of our podcast, we have the person we're interviewing ask a question, if you will. Mm -hmm. So do you have a question that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Let's see. Um, I guess in light of kind of what we've talked about, um, 
I guess I would just ask what would your home look like if it existed to bless people instead of impress people? Ooh, I like that one. (laughs) I ask myself that a lot. (laughs) That is a good question. I feel like we should paint that on our wall and so that we look at it every single day. Oh, I love that. Very challenging question. That is beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Girl, you nailed that question. (laughs) Only because I asked myself it. (laughs) That makes it even better. So So good. Well, Casey, this has seriously been amazing. You are amazing. Homes and Havens is amazing. Um, we just like are cheering you on from afar. We believe yeah. in what you're doing. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. You, I just, I'm really pumped to share this episode, and I know that our listeners are going to be really blessed by what you had to share. And mm-hmm. so Fargo is rooting for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll head up to you. Yes, yes. come. Yeah. Or we'll come to Nashville. That sounds fun too. Either way. Oh, but um but yeah, I'm thank you so here. much for Yeah. That's such a cool well, name. In Nashville, you're pretty close yeah. Ooh, okay, we have friends in Nashville. Maybe we'll go Ooh, there yes. and then just like make our way over. But yep. so fun. Well, thank you again for making time to talk with us today. It was really valuable for us and I know for those that are listening. So um We will link where our listeners can follow along with you. But thank you again. This was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. I'm very humbled and honored. (laughs) Thanks so much. All right. right, Well, have a great rest of your week. You too. See you later. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.